it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. Jimmy has, has got a book coming out. I think it comes out like January, February. And there's an audio portion of it. So Jimmy's off recording that because he's doing it in his own voice. And uh, that should be good. You know, he's got his comedy special coming up. He's got his book going on. He's got this radio show. Things going well for for Jimmy. And I'm uh, thrilled that he asked me to come uh, sit in his seat for uh, just a couple hours. And uh, I appreciate it. Uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about. It's hard to believe, you know, it's it's November 30th. Tomorrow's going to be December 1st. It's crazy how fast things are going and how crazy things are going to be in 2024. That 2024 is just shaping up to be like the craziest, unbelievable year, presidential year. Everything. It's hard to predict. It'd be a really fun game, I think, to actually have everybody write down what they think is going to happen in 2024 and then a year from now kind of say, oh, wow, let's, let's see what happened um, because – it's just going to be a different kind of year, and uh, a lot's happening. Um, first thing I should mention is, you know, Henry Kissinger passed away, 100 years old. Like, what that guy did in foreign policy and his impact on the world is pretty amazing. He did leave a pretty amazing life, even though you didn't maybe totally agree with it. I just want to note that. I had a chance to meet him once. Did, I don't know him. I, I shook his hand, talked to him for a few minutes, and I thought, wow, here's an iconic uh uh, person in history who who had an impact on the world and it's worth tipping a hat and and uh, giving thanks for somebody who's uh, just passed away for his you know for his service and um to the country and rosalind carter too you know we uh you may not like the politics of the carters i didn't um but you know they were almost better presidents and first ladies after the fact and um in my opinion uh, uh, people that cared about their country and, you know, for her to be laid to rest too, it's, uh, it's just worth noting. So, but I want to get after some of the crazy stuff that's happening, um, in the world. And, um, one of the things that's happening right out of the shoots here is going to be happening in December is Hunter Biden, uh, Hunter Biden coming to testify before Congress. Now, I used to be the chairman once upon a time I was in Congress and I was the chairman of the oversight committee. And so I've been in that seat uh, for years that uh, James Comer is in now. And it is one of the most awesome powers to be able to unilaterally issue a subpoena. Um, It's pretty much the only person in the country that can do that. Usually you have to go to judge and get concurrence and other committees. They have to get votes in order to do it. But no, the oversight committee, um, and I think maybe the judiciary committee now, but it didn't used to be that way when I was there. Um, you could unilaterally do it. You didn't have to call up, ask anybody. But it is such an awesome power. You have to use it judiciously. Right? You can't just, you know, you think, oh, what would you do if you could have a subpoena? And you, you can't go crazy and nuts on it. And you, you got, a, uh, I think, a moral and constitutional duty to have some restraint. And, you know, as my friend Trey Gowdy liked to say, who also chaired the committee, you know, your subpoena is only as good as your ability to uh, enforce it. And the crazy part about the way this system is set up is that if I issued a subpoena, which I did multiple times, 
and there was non-compliance, you have to go to the Department of Justice in order to get it enforced. And I think this is the fundamental problem, right? If you're serving a, a subpoena on the Department of Justice or perhaps a family member of the President of the United States, how vigorous do you really think the enforcement's going to come from the Department of Justice? Now, if it was on the Trump family, hey, no problem. You know, the way they went after Steve Bannon, woo, record time, right? He didn't want to comply. And not only did they enforce that subpoena, they prosecuted him. I mean, they went after him in record time. But if it's on the Democratic side of the aisle, it's treated a whole lot different. And so now the argument coming in with the Hunter Biden, because remember, there are text messages, emails, voicemails, photographs, Secret Service logs, um, 170-plus suspicious activity reports, bank accounts, bank records, copies of checks, um, uh, testimony from uh, witnesses and previous investigators. And you have all that, all that big, long list, and I love it when the Democrats stand up and say, but there's no evidence evidence-free. I'm like, oh yeah, there's no evidence. There's more evidence on this than you could possibly imagine. Well, to hear that uh, Abby Lowell, who is the attorney, talented attorney, smart attorney, uh, vigorous attorney. I mean, he has a reputation and and it's a solid one of vigorously doing the best he can for the defense of his client. So the idea that Hunter Biden has agreed that come testify, but will only do so publicly. Uh, I'm sorry. That's just not the way it works. Um, chairmans of the committee, the chairman of the committee, in this case, James Comer, has the unilateral authority to set the parameters by which you come testify. Now, in most cases, not all cases, but high profile, deep dives, financial potential uh, potential financial crimes um, and other things, you got to do a deposition first. Now, the format is very different. So in a deposition, um, the majority gets to interview the witness for an hour straight, no interruptions from the, from the, the Democrats in this case. And then they take a you know brief break. Everybody stretches for a second. Then the Democrats get to go. For an hour straight. So it's equal time. Okay. The time ends up being exactly equal if they want it. But the format is different because it can be either a member of Congress or professional staff, which is usually the way these things are done. It's usually uh, the lead attorney or maybe a forensic auditor who, who wants to get some specifics on details. That format could go on for hours, if not days, because there's so much complication in the system now it ends up that abby lowell is you know saying hey no he's only going to do a public but you know what guess what um you're going to get to do both because i'm sure there's going to be a public hearing as well so glad he's advocating for a public hearing yeah i can do that but you have to first do a transcribed interview here's james comer the chairman of oversight on hannity talking about this cut 18 
everyone has the right to plead the fifth. But, you know, according to Hunter Biden's attorney today, he wants to come forward. And I think that's great. Give him an opportunity. He's going to have due process. He's going to be able to answer some questions. But this isn't about Hunter Biden. This is an investigation by Congress of Joe Biden for potential corruption. Hunter Biden is a key witness in our investigation of Joe Biden. We know the Biden family has received millions and millions of dollars from our enemies around the world. We don't know what they did to receive the money. We don't know uh, a lot of things about how the Bidens have been able to afford such lavish lifestyles when we really don't know what they do for a well, living we other than Hunter became things. an artist. Yeah, but well, he became an artist when Joe Biden became president. And he brings up a good point here because Joe Biden has been in public service. Think about this. He became a United States senator in 1972. Now, I was, you know, barely five years old at that point. I mean, barely able to kick a little soccer ball as a five-year-old, right? Uh, and he's been in public office. Now, how do you afford multimillion-dollar homes uh, you know, when you he's been continuously as a United States senator, then as vice president. Yeah, he wrote a book um, and got a pretty good paycheck out of that. But that was much, much later in life. In fact, some of it after that he had had these homes. It just kind of begs the question of where did all that come from? But that's not the main impetus. The main driver is this idea that there's a lot of suspicious stuff going on. Let's go back to cut 19. This is James Comer again on Hannity. The bank did what it was supposed to do. The compliance officer caught it. They realized that this is a wire into what they said was a company with uh, no known purpose, meaning it was a shell company or a fake company. And they were concerned because the, uh, the politically exposed person who owned the account was the son of the former vice president of the United States. They knew through press accounts uh, and through his ex-wife's testimony and interviews that he had a drug problem, that he was in financial trouble. So they knew that he was compromised. They knew that China did this. This is the way that China bought influence. So what James Comer is referring to is an investigator who made notes about a financial transaction of which I believe Joe Biden ended up getting $40,000 um, uh, out of, out of China. Um, and the person that sees these financial uh, transactions coming out of China made these several notations about why this was highly suspicious and why people should be paying attention to this and investigating this further and that's what James Comer is doing. So, again, whenever you hear somebody say, oh, there's no evidence. Why is it that we have IRS officials? We have now bank examiners. You have the Department of Treasury issuing over 170. Think about how many that is. Suspicious activity reports. Again, all seems to go into the benefit of where? Joe Biden and the Biden family business with over 20 shell companies and no product or service to name other than Joe Biden is the vice president of the United States of America. Um, and so this is what warrants it. This is the discussion. This is the fight that's going to be had. Um, hang tight here with us. Uh, we got uh, Mark Bronovich. We're going to talk about immigration. We're going to talk about what's going on on the border. He's the former attorney general from the state of Arizona. But as we go to commercial, I want to note, that tonight, 9 p.m., you got to watch it. It's going to be great. 
Sean Hannity, the big debate between Governor Gavin Newsom of California and Governor DeSantis of Florida. This is going to be must-see TV. This is going to be a clash. I'm really, this is one of the best political events of the year, I think. It's going to be a great, great show to be able to watch these two uh, spar because there are huge differences between the way Florida is represented and and California is represented and uh, Sean Hannity making it all happen tonight, 9 o'clock on Fox News. We'll be right back. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. Hey, welcome to Fox Across America. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. Um, he's on a critical assignment. Um, and a quick shout out to KOAL, uh, one of our favorite stations in the great state of Utah, down in Castle Country, KOAL. Uh, glad you're part of this uh, Fox Network here. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of fun, critical stuff, important stuff. Uh, but I'm thrilled to have the, our, our next guest, uh, just a good guy. He knows his stuff. He's been there. He's done it. Um, Mark Bronovich is the former attorney general for the great state of Arizona. He's a former federal prosecutor. And he certainly knows his stuff when it comes to immigration. So, Mark Bronovich, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. No, oh, Jason, always a pleasure to be on with you and always good to hear your voice. Well, thank you. You're very kind. And, uh, you know, the the metrics and the stats that I hear, I mean, this has been going on now for a couple of years. And I, I still can't think, I, it still just boggles my mind that the, the um, Secretary Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, can sit there and say, look, we can't fix this problem unless we have comprehensive immigration reform. It's really Congress's fault. And I'm just sitting there thinking, no, Congress already did do their stuff. Congress already did have comprehensive immigration reform. It's called the current law, and you are not enforcing the current law. Am I wrong on that? Uh, No, of course. You know you're absolutely right. And it's funny is uh, when I I found out you were uh, filling in for Jimmy today, I thought about a cop you and I had about two years ago when I think you were filling in for Sean on TV and we were talking about this very same issue and yeah. I as a former federal prosecutor state AG said it, we, know, we know the remedy it doesn't even require more border patrol agents it requires enforcing existing law and we have seen in the past whether it was even during the Obama administration during the Bush administration when you aggressively prosecute people for breaking the law including illegal entry re, entry or re-entry, you see a dramatic decline in the number of people that are willing to break the law. And the reality is, as you and I have talked about before, too, Secretary Mayorkas um, has created policies that have decriminalized and incentivized people coming here. And so when the Biden administration is giving taxpayer benefits like housing and health care and education to people that knowingly break the law, when they say they're not going to be prosecuted, you will see more people breaking the law. And I know at some point when we talk about the fact that, um, you know, my, uh, Secretary Mayorkas is derelict in his duty and he should be impeached. Some people thought that was outrageous. But I think as every day goes on and more Americans are paying the cost 
in not only human treasure and lost lives because of the cartel seizing control of the border, but fiscally we are paying a cost. Um, Secretary Mayorkas needs to be impeached, and the House of Representatives, instead of allocating more money um, down you know, a sinkhole, they should instead be focusing on impeaching Secretary Mayorkas. Well, but these big city mayors, they're asking for billions of dollars. And I think I saw a report it was over $400 billion is the true annual cost to try to house and take care of. Look, there's housing, medical, uh, food, oh. all of these things. Well, I will tell you what, Do you that once again, there was a time even just a year ago when states like Arizona were having to spend tens of millions of dollars on health care costs. Um, when our social services are being overwhelmed and you have these big city mayors in New York and Chicago and elsewhere saying, oh, we're going to become sanctuary cities. And they were encouraging people to break the law. And in fact, one of the things that I think the attorney general of the United States needs to do, whether they're a Democrat or Republican, the next attorney general actually needs to prosecute mayors and governors and anyone that incentivizes or encourages or provides benefits to people breaking our immigration laws. And there was a case just last year at the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, Jason, um, the Hansen case, where the Supreme Court upheld Title VIII, um, I think it's Section 1324, that specifically makes it a crime to encourage and facilitate assist people breaking our immigration law. So I don't know why the mayor of New York or the mayor of Chicago aren't being prosecuted. Instead of asking for more of our taxpayer dollars, they should be prosecuted criminally under federal law for encouraging um, and, and facilitating breaking of our immigration laws. And I say all this, Jason, you know, I'm a first-generation American. I understand why people want to come here, but you have to have order. You cannot have chaos. And, of course, when you have millions, literally millions of people breaking the law, you also have tens of hundreds of terrorists coming into this country, people that we don't know about, um, people that are tied to the cartels that are going to bring more violence into our cities. Um, We have only got like 40 seconds here, but what's the number one thing? I love the idea of prosecuting those people that are encouraging this, but what's the number one? If you had to pick one thing, like focus on this and this will do more than anything else, what would that be? I I would create a surge at our southern border, not only with um, border patrol personnel, but with judges and prosecutors and aggressively prosecuting people that are breaking the law or facilitating breaking the law. And I guarantee you, you will see a dramatic decrease in people trying to come into the country illegally. Mark Bronovich. Yeah, Mark Bronovich, the uh, former attorney general for the great state of Arizona. You know your stuff. I, I love your passion. You're always passionate about this topic because it doesn't have to be this way. We can solve this. We can go the right direction. But thanks for joining us, uh, Mark Bronovich, on Fox Across America. Stay with us. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Hey, it's Jason Chaffetz. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Hard to believe it. It's 
It's actually going to be December 1st tomorrow. That is just so crazy to me. Remember, tonight, 9 p.m., you're going to want to watch Hannity because the good debate between Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom with Hannity in the middle uh, moderating it, this is going to be a good, good uh, political event and a great discussion. We should be doing more of this in our country. So hats off to both of the governors for being willing to do it um, and have the discussion. And it'll be really good. And we're going to talk about big, weighty issues like the economy and uh, maybe the whole Hunter Biden, Joe Biden thing might come up as well. Uh, certainly the presidential election. But here to talk about some of that, uh, we're thrilled to have uh, Russell Fry. He's a congressman from South Carolina's 7th Congressional District. Congressman Fry, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Always a pleasure to be on the show, Jason, and uh, thanks for having me. Oh, no, really do appreciate it. So, you know, Joe Biden's going out there touting Bidenomics. I don't, I, I, I would love to hear them define what they think actually Bidenomics is. But, you know, trying to take all the credit for the good stuff. And there's a few good things, a few good metrics that are happening in the economy. Um, but, but you know, we saw this report out there that, what is it, $11,000 plus, uh, $11,400 to just get the same goods, same services that you be, had before. It costs you that much more just to stay in place. No, it's, it's wild. And it's, I mean, you, you think about that. You know, for a family of four, you know, maybe their income is seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year. Like that is just insurmountable. And you, to your point with the metrics, I mean, we've never had more credit card debt than we have right now. Yeah. And people are people are paying now or in, in borrowing now uh, to pay later, and and it's you know it's unsustainable at some point. I mean, inflation has increased seventeen percent under this administration. I mean, nineteen percent of the food prices alone. Um, you know, electric bills are up. Interest rates, you can't even buy a house anymore, uh, you know, really. Um, you know, the house that you could afford three years ago is, uh, you know, half the house now. So it's it's Bidenomics. Uh, I don't think it would play as well with, with most Americans. Yeah, I just don't understand because inflation is still very real. And they say, oh, it's down. Well, yeah, because it went up so much. Right. Um, it's What is it, like 18% uh, more than when he took office like three right. years ago? So. I again, I this, I struggle with what is the definition of Bidenomics? More government spending because one of the fastest growing segments of our economy in terms of job growth is government employees. That's mm-hmm. where the growth is. Right. No, and, and you know what's interesting too. I'm, I've been here a year, and one of the first hearings we had uh, was on Bidenomics, basically. And you know when the administration pumped out all these big ticket bills, these you know, very large price tags. Every economist in the world said you can't dump that money on the economy without inflationary pressures. And well, they did it anyway. And so, you know, here we are living with the results of what, you know, this administration and a Democratic Congress did within the first two years. It's just, you know, it's, it's maddening. Uh, and in order to tamp it down, they've got to jack up inflation on every or jack up interest rates on everybody. Uh, and, and they pray that people actually lose their jobs because that helps settle it down. I mean, but we would never be here if we had a little bit of fiscal discipline uh, and we're going about things the right way instead of politically advantageous to one party. So, you know, this obviously plays into the election. Personally, I think the election is going to be about safety. 
It's going to be about economic safety, safety in your wallet, right? Safety on Mm -hmm. the border, safety overseas, safety in the streets, and your ability to just live a peaceful life free of crime and and being, you know, not being scared. So I think it's, to me, it's going to be, I don't know, and that's why I want to get your take on this. It's going to be all about safety. But you also have a commander-in-chief who is gaff-prone. I want you to listen to uh, this clip of Joe Biden. Uh, He went to Pueblo, Colorado, and um, he called Donald Trump a congressman. Uh, Clip number two. We could use it to strengthen the Social Security and Medicare system instead of cutting them like Congressman Trump and Bob want to do. We could use it to help millionaires and millions of families afford, instead of millionaires and millions of families afford a little help with senior care. A congressman. I don't know how you decipher what he said there other than the clarity that he called Donald Trump congressman. I, what? Uh, I know. It's it's so well, – and, and people see. I mean people see that, the, the words that he makes up, the phrases, you know, Congressman Trump. Uh, they see him fall up the stairs, you know, more times than he's actually stepping correctly. And, you know, everybody – I mean we've been saying this for a long time, and I know you have, is, is what is the mental capacity to be able to govern a country – I mean, you've been in Congress. You know how grueling the schedule is. Could you imagine being the commander in chief and what that entails? And he's just not up to the job. And you look at that from any metric. And this isn't just partisan lenses here. Can he govern? Period. Um, and and I think the answer is no. I mean, so the 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 real question is who's governing when he can't? Yeah, I I did write a book called The Puppeteers, which is about that: the people who control, the people who control America, and. But um, to the same point, also in Pueblo, Colorado, listen to this. Joe Biden talking about the nuclear codes and blowing up the world. This I, I don't make this stuff up. This is not coming from some, you know, Republican. This is Joe Biden in his own words. Cut number one. Hey, Nick. This is uh, Nick. Oh, yeah, now, look, my, my Marine carries that. It has a code to blow up the world. That doesn't – this is not – Nuclear weapons, oh, is no. it? All right, okay. <laughs> I mean, and he goes on to say, you think I'm kidding? I like, it's it's a little bit scary. Um, and yet uh-huh. people just are out there arguing that, look, people don't understand Bidenomics. They just, you know, we got to keep talking about it. But when you're out in South Carolina talking to your constituents, what are they telling you? Well, it's 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 kind of funny, and it's it's anecdotal, but you're seeing it in the polling too. I, I met a, an African American gentleman the other day. It was at a veteran event, and and he said, you know, why should I vote for um, a Republican? Um, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to jump into this. And so we talked a little bit. And he said, you're exactly right. He said, he said, I've been telling my family. Uh, he said, I'm done with the Democrat Party, and he's like, I'm the first. It's the first time I'm voting for a Republican ever. And uh, but I'm seeing a lot of that. And I think just people are frustrated because it's so clear. If you remember what happened three years ago, this just, you know, where we were economically, where we were from a national security perspective, the border was secure. That's all fresh in people's mind. And I don't think very few people now can say that they're doing better today than they were three years ago. And so people are going to want a return to those policies, those things that made us prosperous, made us secure. Um, and it wasn't something that happened 20 years ago. This just happened. And so we, you know, I think we've got a good opportunity next year, not only to, to you know, to win uh, 
uh, the Senate and keep the House, but to take back the White House because people remember, you know, what good governing looked like. Yeah, it's um, the crazy. The crazy thing about what's happening is here is the 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 voters. America has a chance to contrast what happened for four years under Donald Trump, right? I mean, it was just three years ago. We didn't have these types of problems. And now I'm going to totally shift gears with you in the last little bit that we have you here. I want to shift gears to the protests and the the rise in anti-Semitism, you know, the people that essentially hate Jews and want to see them uh, wiped off the face of the planet. Um, And the craziness that you hear of people trying to defend Hamas, a terrorist organization. It's been a terrorist organization designated by the State Department since, I think, 1970 or 1997. This is a montage. Now, look, you're a congressman from South Carolina. I'm from Utah. Sane states, right? Okay. There's craziness in California. But listen to this because I think it is representative of far too much of what's going on in the craziness uh, that people are out there to try to defend Hamas. This happened at an Oakland City, Oakland, California City Council meeting, uh, montage uh, number 13. There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. They keep talking about Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. Our government does not fund Hamas. Our government funds Israel. Our government funds genocide. Our government funds killing of babies. To hear them, to hear them complain about Hamas violence is like listening to a wife beater complain when his wife finally stands up and fights back. Calling Hamas a terrorist organization is ridiculous, racist, and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. Resistance to colonialism is not terrorism. So going out and killing 1,300 people, that's not terrorism. And I I will give credit, Congressman, to Senator Chuck Schumer, who Mm. got up and called it out and gave a fairly eloquent speech, a really eloquent speech on the floor of of the Senate talking about People that are traditionally aligned with the Democratic Party are suddenly like off the rails on this. What's your take on all this? It's it's strange, and I think you know the Democrats. I think Republicans are, are largely unified uh, in in our support of Israel, but Democrats. And you remember this from Congress. That was kind of a one you know one of the rare bipartisan things that that, that existed was uh, yeah. support for Israel. But now I don't know that you can say that. I mean, you you have these. Almost or I mean, it's it's so strange to see people say things like that, and and you go, is there a figment of truth in there at all? And there's not. And so to 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 say, I mean, to to hear them describe it, the Palestinians have been in some strange gulag for the last you know several decades, but these are the same people who could move freely within Israel, could get permits to work in Israel, um, you know, have incredible properties and beaches and, and, and whatnot, and they're governed by a bunch of you know, insane people. Uh, but, but to hear the, I would say, the gaslighting, I mean, it's not even, it's more, it's more than just gaslighting, but to hear them talk about this on our soil uh, is just really strange to me, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because it's just so far off base from reality. Well, and for them to say that... Um... The United States only sends money to Israel. Um, the United States, to, much to my chagrin, 
uh, also sends money to um, to the Palestinians. Now, does that money ultimately end up in the hands of Hamas? Yeah, uh, I, I have my suspicions. But what we do yeah. know is that Iran does the funding. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about Hamas or Hezbollah up in, Les- in Lebanon without a discussion about Iran, which is the number one purveyor of terror in the world. And yet the Biden-Harris administration wants to keep giving them billions of dollars. You drive up the price of gasoline like they did with their policies. Guess what? Iranians get rich and they have billions of dollars to fund the terror. So Correct. that that didn't show up in the Oakland City uh, City Council meeting. No, and and I think you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, Iran, we we've known this for a long time, and and you know even during the Obama administration, I mean, there were efforts. Everyone remembers the pallets of cash that were going yeah. to Iran for the that's nuclear right. deal. And we're continuing to do it now. I mean, we've got the six billion bucks that's out there, but you also have the oil stuff that we're not properly enforcing the sanctions that should be in place, and it's allowing Iran to fund themselves for sure, but also to fund all the various illicit activities that they prop up: Hamas, um, Hezbollah, all you know, all of these different entities uh, that that skirmish with Israel and and, and our other allies. They're funding it. We've known that forever. And, and, and for people to just ignore that reality that like that this is some f- sort of fight for you know, mankind and freedom, uh, I think is totally misplaced. It's d- totally divorced from reality. And, uh, but that's the struggle that Democrats are in right now is that they've got yeah. this kooky leftward base um, that is out there you know, promoting uh, Osama bin Laden's letters. Uh, on why he was doing what he was doing. And it's just crazy that we're even here. Yeah, it's it's not all of them, but there's a faction that is just unrecognizable to the traditional, you know, your father's kind of democratic organization, the traditional liberals. It's just They're just not there anymore. But uh, thanks for sharing your perspective. Uh, Congressman Russell Fry from uh, South Carolina's 7th Congressional District, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. I do appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. It's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. Oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But go f*** yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, Well, let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't advertise. So it's obviously Elon Musk uh, talking uh, about X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, at the New York Times Dealbook Summit uh, with the moderator there. I want to play another clip of this because I I think you can see how incensed he is that he thinks advertisers can uh, blackmail him with money. Uh, Here's more of that exchange, cut 23. What this advertising boycott is uh, is, going to do, it's going to kill the company. And do you think that the company... I, I, but 
and the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But there are those advertisers, I imagine, are going to say, they're going to say, we didn't kill the company. Oh, yeah? They're going to say... Tell it to, tell it to Earth. But they're going to say, that, they're going to say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? Let's, that's that's and, what and they're going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. I mean, I think Elon's right. First of all, he can walk away from this. He's got so much money. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I want to play one more clip of this. Cut uh, 24. I mean, you, you have enormous resources, so you can actually keep this company going for a very long time. Would you keep it going for a long time if there was no advertising? I mean, if the company fails because of an advertised boycott, it will fail because of an advertised boycott. And that will be what bankrupted the company, and that's what everybody on Earth will know. What do you think, then, of the... I guess, this goes back to the to idea exist. of trust, though. Then and it'll I, be gone. And it'll be gone because of an advertised boycott. But, but you recognize that some of those people are going to say that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform. And I, I, want, I just wonder and ask you, and think about that for a Tell second. Tell it to the judge. But the, but the judge is going to be... Uh, the judge is the public. And you think that the public is going to say that, that Disney is making a mistake? Yes. And they're going to boycott Disney? They already are. Yeah, Elon Musk is on the, the right side of this. I think that the whole point here um, about what's going on, uh, you know, they talk about it, Disney, how they, you know, they went woke and they, they paid a big financial price to that. And if these companies and these advertisers are just going to try to drive um, the discussion and try to force Elon Musk, do you see people walking away from X, not participating, not watching? I don't. I'd love to see the metrics where they think it is. But, man, that's what you get from these coastal elitists who think they can just drive their narrative and not allow a public discussion on a platform like X. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, almost Jimmy Failure. This is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. Jimmy has a book. He's got it. He's got his comedy special coming out. He's obviously got this radio show, but he's also got a book coming up, and he's gonna he's recording the audio portion of that. So look for that after the first of the year. Um, big political day because tonight, uh, Fox News uh, at 9 p.m. You've got uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and Gavin Newsom, the governor of obviously the state of california they're going to debate hannity's going to moderate and boy if you missed that you're going to miss a big big political event it's going to be uh really really something to watch and it'll be fascinating so uh lots to talk about all the world's going on and i keep mentioning that oh my goodness i can't believe that december 1st is tomorrow hard to believe we're right in the heart of uh the holiday season and um but you know uh we got problems, we got challenges, got things going on in the world that cause all kinds of challenges. But, you know, I, I heard this clip from this mayor. He happens to be the mayor of Chicago. His name is Brandon Johnson. And uh, Chicago's kind of a mess. Uh, one of the great American cities, uh, the Windy City. Uh, it's known for so many great and wonderful things. But the way that city has been administered, the the, the crime rate, the, the, the deaths, the gun violence... 
And now being a sanctuary state and a sanctuary uh, city, uh, guess what? They've created all kinds of problems for themselves by tacitly inviting um, you know, people that are here illegally to come to the city. Well, now it's getting cold. And, you know, Chicago, it gets cold. I mean, really cold, right? And uh, they don't uh, they they don't have a solution to it. It's going to cost a lot of money. So what better to do, Mr. Mayor, than blame right-wing extremism for all the city pl- pl- woes? Now, Democrats control every level level. And lever, I was trying to say, uh, of government there. But uh, go ahead and blame right-wing extremists for this. Cut number nine. Quite frankly, uh, they've been very intentional about going after democratically ran cities that are led by people of color. And their whole motivation is to create disruption and chaos because that's what this, that particular party has been about. Right, this is the same political party that did not want to accept that President Obama was actually an American. It's the same Republican right-wing extremism that stormed the Capitol. It's the same right-wing extremism that refuses to accept the results of the Civil War. It's raggedy. It's disrespectful. It's mean-spirited. It's an unclean spirit, quite frankly. And so, so I got you. I got you. I just want to make sure that people understand what we're facing. <laughs> oh, my goodness, uh, Mr. Mayor. That, does he know that Abraham Lincoln from, you know, Illinois, um, you know, he was – the first Republican president, um, you know, you can try to blame all the city's woes on right-wing extremism, but um, I, you, you don't have any any place to stand. You've been, Democrats have literally been in control for so long, and I don't know what they think. You have a Democratic president, a Democratic governor, a Democratic city council, a Democratic mayor, and... Um, I don't know how you place the blame on some right-wing extremism as extremists, you know, thinking that they were the ones that are actually doing this and pushing this. I think there's a case to be made that maybe a change in approach would actually do things like support your law enforcement, maybe enforce crimes, maybe prosecute the pro- the proper crimes. But for the examples uh, that they've refused to accept the results of the Civil War, is uh come on mayor johnson really we the republicans don't accept the results of the civil war um yeah we can talk about that with uh president lincoln a republican by the way uh yeah that's that's kind of important um i want to also talk about what's going on with senator josh Hawley. i don't want this to slip uh he was on he was on with laura ingram last night on the ingram angle um and talking about council jack smith's search warrant now Jack Smith, um, going after President Trump, it's been really clear what the objective here is. But what he's done now, um, I think it should scare a little bit of all of us. Listen to Josh Hawley describing what's going on in Cut 8. But look at what this administration is doing. This special counsel who's totally and completely out of control. He's obviously doing the bidding of Joe Biden. I mean, he is going after individual citizens here. Let's be clear about this. He is trying to get the records of Twitter users who just liked a tweet by Donald Trump or who retweeted a Donald Trump post. I mean, this is unbelievable stuff. And I have to tell you, it reminds me of what happened in Hong Kong, what the Chinese Communist Party did there. Now, let's be clear of what's happening here, because a lot of people, you know, with all the other news that's going on, sometimes this kind of slips under the cracks here. But what Jack Smith 
the federal government, the prosecutor, through the Department of Justice is doing is they're trying to say that if you are on Twitter, known as X now, if you're on X and you liked a tweet that was positive to President Trump or you forwarded a, a tweet or maybe reposted a tweet that was on X about something positive of Donald Trump, He's trying to create a database of those people. And who knows where he's going with this, but the idea and the notion that the federal government would issue uh, documents to compel the production of this on the citizens based on their own political beliefs or their activism within that is a very scary thing. That is Democrats out of control, power thirsty, and using um, a political uh, lens by which they're going to potentially prosecute people. That's what they've done. They think this man, Donald Trump, is so extreme. He's so radical. He's so he's going to destroy the the world. You know that's been the strategy. They look at Donald Trump and they try to demonize him. That he's going to start all these world wars, that he's going to destroy the economy, that he's going to be this fascist, that he's going to be. Well, the problem is we have four years of history with Donald Trump. Life was pretty good. There weren't any new wars started. The border was more secure. The economy was zooming. Black unemployment was down, you know, to down to record levels. Things were going really well in this country before COVID. And that was with Donald Trump. So they, they're going to try to demonize him again. But the reason I highlight this story, and I'm glad that Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri is on this and is on top of this and is highlighting this in prime time, you know, on Laura Ingram and hopefully in a broader, even a broader audience above and beyond Laura, is that for your federal government to target you politically because you liked a post on X, what good business does the government have? You have to have some degree of suspicion. What is the potential crime that he's looking at? What is the justification for, you know, is there articulable suspicion that you might need in order to have law enforcement use the, the powers that we give? Think about the powers we give law enforcement. What is the justification? What is the potential law that was broken? Because Donald Trump posted something up on X and you liked it or you forwarded it. I mean, you could be totally opposed to Donald Trump and you may send it to your friends saying, oh my goodness, look at this. And the government's going to look at that and suddenly you're going to be on the list. Where is the ACLU? Where are the true liberals? Where are the Democrats who believe that, uh, you know, they they go ahead and they fight for the right, you know, to, to uh, you know, all these other things. But when it comes to your political privacy... Why should you be subject to investigation potentially by the Department of Justice because you like a tweet like that? That is absolutely out of control, and it's a government that we should not uh, we should not allow him to get away with it. And yet he's out there using the guise of investigating Trump to f- go figure out who every one of his supporters are. You combine that with what they do with facial recognition and all of these other government surveillance programs. And guess what? You've got a recipe that is unbelievably wrong. You know, in this country, we, um, when you're born, they don't take your fingerprint. They may do it for a little thing. So it's cute. You know, you get a little fingerprint. So mom and dad can take that home. 
but they're not capturing that in a database. They're not taking hair samples and creating a DNA um, database. I'm sure it'd be easier for law enforcement if we had all those kinds of things. But we don't do that because if you're a suspicionless America, you have a right in this country to uh, live in anonymity if you want to. And you should not be part of government collection of databases for crimes you might potentially commit in the future. And again, my challenge to Jack Smith is, okay, so what crime do you think you actually committed? I don't think he can come up with it, but we need to highlight it and fight back on it. A uh, lot of good stuff coming up on Fox Across America, including Kirk Cameron. You familiar with the actor Kirk Cameron? He's got a good message coming up for us later in the program, so stay with us. More to come on Fox Across America. A show with substance and style. This is my oldest guy in the boy band look. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a good-looking Italian. Hey, I'm Jason Javits, filling in for Jimmy, and we got a guest today that I have never had a conversation with. His name is Ignacio Alvarez. Ignacio is joining us because he is an attorney, and he's candidate for sheriff in the Miami-Dade County. Now, one of the biggest counties, most important counties, and kind of a dangerous county. So we got to get this thing right if you're going to be the sheriff. Uh, Ignacio, are you there? Yes, sir, I am, and thank you for the opportunity to be on here. Now they tell me I can call you Iggy, but it feels a little little personal given that you and I have talked for 15 seconds. <laughs> Go ahead. It's always uh, easier. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. All right, so, look, take it on the roll and becoming sheriff of a big, you know, city or a big county like Miami-Dade. That's a big deal. Why, why do you want to do it? What do you think has to get done that's not getting done in Miami-Dade? You know, Jason, um, I was a cop for 25 years. I honorably retired in 2017 with my last rank being police major for eight years. I, in 2018, I opened up my own business. I opened up a law firm here in Coral Gables, Florida, and we've been doing really well. But when this is the first time in 66 years that Miami-Dade County elects a sheriff. Ever since the, um, the late 1960s, the mayor of Miami-Dade County has appointed who they call the police director to manage policing in Miami-Dade County. Starting in 2024, we have our first elections to elect someone. So oh, the goal good. here is we need to take away that political influence from the road, not having to deal with a mayor, not having to deal with a commission. Instead, you're dealing directly with the people who are selecting the next sheriff. What, what, what do you want to, let's pretend you do it. Let's say you're successful and people say, Ignacio Alvarez is our guy. He's the sheriff. And by the way, thanks for your service. You know, however the I election turns that. out, you served 25 years. That's awesome. So thanks for your service. That's, that's hard duty. And I don't think anybody fully appreciates how hard and difficult it is to be law enforcement in this country. But, um, but thank you. So let's pretend you win. Um, what do you want to be doing in the first hundred days or the, you know, what do you, what are the first things that you do? Hey, I appreciate that, Jason, but I'm not going to pretend because I am going to win. Um, the, we have to stop status quo here in Miami-Dade County. We have to stop with the political appointees. We have to stop with the, um, removing officers from the road and putting them in specialized units. We need to consider 
and improve our relationships with our community to come up with a different direction with the department. This is the first time we have a sheriff, like I just mentioned, and whoever forms this brand new sheriff's office, it's going to set the legacy for the next 10, 20 years to address the crime problem here in Miami-Dade County. Okay, so, so how do you how do you do that? It. Other than getting rid of political appointees, what do you actually do? What could how I don't know how many officers or how many people live in the in the county, but what is it that you can actually do to drive crime down? I look at this as with a sports analogy. When you have a team that's not doing well, you have to go back to basics. And what are the basics in law enforcement? Putting officers on the road and doing investigations, and that's what we need to do. We need to eliminate a lot of these command-level positions. We need to eliminate a lot of these specialized um, units and put units back on the road so people can stop waiting two, three, four hours for an officer to come to their house or in not having their investigations done in a timely manner. We need to go back to our basics, and that's going to be my initial first uh, thing I'm going to do in the first 100 days. How um, – I mean uh... – the prosecutor plays such a pivotal role. I mean, right? Law enforcement can go arrest somebody, solve a crime, uh, prevent a crime if they're doing it right. Um, but then you got to have a prosecutor that actually does that. Do you have a relationship with that prosecutor? What do you think of the current prosecutor? Kathy Wonder is, is a prosecutor that's been around for 30 plus years. Um, she's someone that, um, even though she's on the opposite party as I am, I'm running as Republican, she's running as a Democrat. Um, it's someone that we can work with to try to, uh, to continue in, in getting these cases processed. What we have to make sure is something that I want to take a stand against is that we don't have the issues from the other cities, like we well, have in Philadelphia, we have in New York, we have in D.C., these left-wing prosecutors for a, promoting cashless bail, um, not enforcing misdemeanors. We have to make sure that that does not happen down here. So what... Uh explain that you know a lot of these big cities we were just earlier in the show talking about chicago certainly new york others are dealing with a major major um population of illegal immigrants uh how bad is that how pervasive is that in miami-dade or is it not as bad as other places it's not at all it's not like you see in new york i was just in new york recently and i was scared to walk the streets I was reading the news this morning, and an FBI agent got his got carjacked in Washington D.C. Yeah, he that's did. Absolutely, yeah, uh, I that, saw that. That's unacceptable. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. We need to stop these liberal um, type of anti-police narratives. We need to stop the cashless bill. We need to stop uh, not enforcing quality of life. We need to stop reducing the police budget. This is unacceptable. The violent crime increase in all these major cities. How do you deal with homelessness? You know, it's a tough issue, right? And there people are there for a variety of reasons. Some choose to be there because they like the lifestyle. But there are other people that are homeless veterans that, you know, need psychiatric help. Um, what, what do you do to fight back against the homelessness problem and people trying to put it tents up on the streets in the Miami-Dade County? Yeah, speaking for Miami-Dade County, not speaking in other cities, but Miami-Dade County, there's, there's programs out there that you can work with. You mentioned the, the former military individuals. There's VA programs that you can work with to try to get them help. There's also other programs in the community that we can get the homeless people um, help. But the problem is, number one, do they want to help? And number two, you bring up a very valid uh, point, which is psychological issues. We need to create programs where we can provide mental health services 
for individuals like the homelessness, for the, for the young adults, for the people that don't have insurance, that have family members, that have mental problems, to try and get those, those, those individuals some type of service to prevent them acting out and create some type of violent act. So when's the election, and uh, how many other Republicans are there in the race? That's interesting. There's 11 other Republicans, three Democrats. The primary is August 20th of 2024, and I ask for any law enforcement uh, pro-individuals listening to this station and or people from Miami-Dade County. Go to my website, learn more about me, Ignacio Alvarez for Sheriff, or follow me on Instagram, Ignacio Alvarez for Sheriff as well. Uh, Ignacio, we wish you all the best, uh, whatever the outcome. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Stay with us. Kirk Cameron, coming up. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. And, boy, Jimmy's going to be mad he missed this one because he's always a good interview. He's he's just passionate about what's he what he does. And I had him as a guest on my Jason and Al's podcast, one of the most popular podcasts we did, because uh, we have actor Kirk Cameron joining us on Fox Across America. Kirk, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Jason. Great to be here. Thanks yeah, for having no, me on. Uh, it's so great to talk to you again, because uh, I know you're an actor and everybody kind of knows you from that world. But what I've come to admire and like is your passion for education, kids, our schools, um, your belief system. I just I think it's what America needs. It's what they're gravitating toward and they need more positive messages like that. So um, tell us a little bit about what's going on, because you got an event right on Saturday, day after tomorrow. Yeah, that you're doing. T- tell us what you're doing. Well, uh, for just as a, a little a little back background for the last year, I've been traveling around the country reading children's books of virtue Um Faith, love, kindness, joy, peace, patience, all of those things. And I've been getting pushback from some public libraries who would rather have drag queens come read books to children with a different set of values. And we, we've we been getting so much support across the country from parents and grandparents who want to return to the values that lead to blessing and protection in our country. And we decided to actually go after the head of the snake and figure out who's putting these books that have sexual content, that's gender-confusing content, racially-infused content, into public libraries for children to read and public schools for the children to read. And guess who it is? The big culprit is Scholastic Books. Uh, This is the company that we all remember growing up. We I grew up with that. Clifford, the Big Red Dog, James and the Giant Peach, Stuart Little, right? Um, So... Now they've got books that are so woke that not even Facebook will allow us to put images from this book called Welcome to St. Hell, My Trans Teen Adventure. Uh, Those images are of full nudity. They're um, two girls in bed. One of them wants to be treated like a boy um, with manuals on how to grow facial hair and turn their female sex organs into male sex organs and hide internet searches from their parents and grooming little kids to explore the world of drag, all coming out of Scholastic with books like these. Um, I'm holding copies because I had to read them for myself to know that this isn't an exaggeration. And it's going into preteens, elementary school, and middle school through book fairs 
and through scholastic children's books. So what I'm doing on Saturday is we're offering an alternative. Here's a public school that has canceled their subscription to Scholastic, and they're replacing Scholastic book fairs with a wholesome alternative. There's a nonprofit called SkyTree Book Fairs, and they're bringing in hundreds and hundreds of books for kids and parents and, and school administrators to fill their shelves with great books, with great values rooted in truth and morality. And uh, this is an exciting initiative that is now spreading over a thousand public schools and private schools have signed up to replace Scholastic and their harmful content with helpful, wholesome content from SkyTree book fairs. Now, when you do these events, and I know you've done them in other places, and the turnout has been just unbelievable. Like, yeah. I've seen some pictures of the turnout. Um, but walk us through, because you did this on the podcast, and I, and I loved it when you talked about this. When you when you actually went somewhere, you first got denied, and then you made the case that hey, you're going to have to do this. Um, and then what happened? Yeah, remember this isn't China, this isn't North Korea, this is the United right. States of America, wherein we have things like freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, freedom of religion. And so when these public libraries, remember public, that means they're paid for. The building and the employees are paid for by tax dollars. They said, we don't want your message. Our community is not interested, but they are interested in drag queens and their messages for children. Uh, I, I had to call BS and, and say, wait a minute. Um, this is discrimination based on your viewpoint, and, and it's the worst kind. It's res- religious discrimination against Christians, you know, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness. Right. I said, I'm prepared to assert my constitutional rights in court against you. And they then reversed course. We show up and over 3000 parents and grandparents are there in support saying, thank you. We're being silenced and marginalized. Uh, What you hear in the press is not true about us here in Indianapolis or in Scarsdale, New York. Thank you for coming. Uh, And I found that reaction all over the country. There's millions and millions of people who feel like we do and they want to get back to the blessings and the protection that come from teaching our children the right kind of values, not this woke indoctrination. So you're going to be in Fredericksburg, right? That's uh, right. Virginia. Um, what time? Where do they go? Like, how do they find it? Yeah, I believe it's Riverbend High School. It's this Saturday in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I think it's Spotsylvania County. And you can go to Riverbend High School. What The, the best thing to do is go to stopscholastic.com. That's a website where you can download a PDF that will detail all of this sexualized, gender-confusing, racially infused content for children so you can see it with your own eyes. Show it to your principal at school. Show it to your your fellow parents. Make them aware of it. And it'll also tell you how you can come to the book fair this Saturday and over 200 book fairs across the country that are scheduled for the spring uh, and other ways that you can support SkyTree book fairs. No, it's a great endeavor because, they're, they, you know, it's amazing to me, Kirk, is that you get this, um, they get so triggered by when you talk about, oh, you're grooming children. But that's exactly what they're doing. But, I, but why do they get so triggered? That's exactly what they're doing. That is exactly the goal by trying to teach somebody who's underage in grade school, for goodness sake, about these perversions that they want to uh, indoctrinate with all yeah. the rest of their, the, you know, that population. 
Yeah. And you and I throw out terms like 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 perversion, uh, indoctrination, and, and that's correct. But what what we have to really wake up to is is that in order for something to say something is perverted or is uh, this is indoctrination, um, what we're assuming is that there is a natural, healthy, good thing that has been twisted and now we're calling it perversion. And that is true. But uh, what 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 progressives have done, what uh, the sort of the new guard wants is to change the, the definition of what's natural and good and make the perversion natural and the perversion normal and the perversion uh, good. And this is this is very dangerous, of course, because now what will be deemed evil is people like you or me or concerned Americans, Jews, Christians, Muslims, whatever, who want to have a standard of morality that lines up with the Bible. And pretty soon, uh, what's good has become evil, and what is evil has become good, and now we're in a real problem. And the way to fix it is by standing up, speaking up, and building the world you want for your kids based on the values that you know are true, rather than sitting back listening to this podcast or watching Fox News or Newsmax or whatever and just uh, sinking into despair thinking that the end is near. Um, It will be if we don't do something, but there are some of us who are trying to do something and we want everyone who agrees to join us. Now, where did this passion come from? I mean, I know you and your wife, you got got a number of kids um but where is that where this this passion drives from was there was there something that happened and say whoa 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 this is way over the line i got to do something about it you know p- perhaps it's being a father perhaps it's being a brand new grandfather and you realize that uh while some You're people a grandfather say, congratulations you know i just found out from my daughter that she's pregnant so she's awesome. five weeks pregnant. That makes me a grandfather, and my grandson or my granddaughter uh, is just a little tiny nugget uh, in the <laughs> oven cooking, and uh, nine months from now, he'll be out. Awesome. So Congrats. I'm, I'm interested in preserving the future, and I've recognized that there are a lot of whiners and complainers in the world who are really not helping to turn things around. I don't want to be among them. Uh, I understand how scary and difficult things are. But I want to hang with the winners. I want to hang with the creators of culture, not the complainers of culture. And I think that's our task and our responsibility and duty for our children's sake and for God's sake is to to take the life we have, the opportunities and resources that we have, and do what we can to build and amplify the good. Well, and you've stood up, you know, pretty much your whole – you've been out in the public for a long time. I mean, when you're an actor and you're, uh, you know, underage – you bit you bit but you've always kind of stood tall for your belief in Jesus Christ even though there was a conversion to that but you know you you've got a positive story like that and i i you probably play pay a political price but it doesn't seem to bother you good for you oh well i i, I appreciate the encouragement i can uh take uh, use all that 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 you'll you'll give but you know as far as paying a political price um Maybe in the short term, you have people calling you names, uh, may, maybe worse. We're seeing conflict all around the world that is politically driven. But the worst political conflict is for good people to do nothing. Then this becomes China. 
That's yeah. the political consequence that you don't want to have happen because there is then no liberty. There is no prosperity uh, other than for the people in charge, but there is no individual liberty. You're not going to be able to raise your kids going to the schools that you want. You're not going to be able to have freedom of religion, freedom of speech. All that goes away when good people sit back and uh, cry in their Chick-fil-A soup hoping to get raptured out of the world. <laughs> Their Chick-fil-A soup, well said. Um, you know, but you're an inspiration to a lot of people because I think a lot of people just need to know where to go, yeah. what to do. Yeah, they, me too. They, they don't what want do to feel do? like they're how, out there by themselves. How do we, how do we, how do we get on the right road? That's right. So stopscholastic.com is the website you encourage us to, to, to look at. And then, again, one more time, this event, Fredericksburg, Virginia, day after tomorrow. It's coming up quick. Um and what was the name of the school or wherever you go? Riverbend High School. All right. And you're, yeah. you're going to be there. You're showing yep, up. I'm going to be there. We got, we got food trucks. We got music. We got hot chocolate and whipped cream. And we're going to be reading books. We're going to be reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. We're, we're going to just thank God for his goodness and ask him for his protection. And we want everybody to turn out. Just go to stopscholastic.com, and you've got the links there to the book fairs, how to support them, and also how to download a PDF so that you can see exactly what Scholastic is feeding to your children. Well, and I know you've got an association with Brave Books as well, where you've got some uh, some very radical concepts of books out, um, but they do put out some good content. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, <laughs> radical concepts like humility and self-control yes. <laughs> and uh, the kinds of things uh, like loving your enemies. These are radical concepts in a world today, <laughs> but our children desperately need them. They really do. Uh, Kirk Cameron, you can find him on X at, at Kirk Cameron. Um, and look, I appreciate your tenacity and your belief. Um, I, I know it's, I can tell having chatted with you a few times, it's uh, part of your core. And for you and your wife to go out and do this with your family, uh, hats off to you. More more of it. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on being a grandfather. That's really, that's really neat. I'm, I'm excited. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, keep up the great work. Very good. Uh, Kirk Cameron, everybody, uh, Fox Across America. Stay with us. More to come. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. All right, I'm Jason Chaffetz, uh, filling in for Jimmy. Oh, that was a great segment with Kirk Cameron. I really enjoy it. Kirk is like the nicest guy, puts his money where his mouth is, does what he actually says. I really appreciate him joining us on this show. We've had some good guests here, and uh, a lot's happening in the world. But one thing I think I should talk about, because it's so pervasive, it's such a big deal, and I guess there's nothing that drives people more crazy than hypocrisy, right? Uh, well, Kamala Harris... Um, she she was asked to comment on TikTok. Now, statistically, viewers or listeners of this program, a lot of you probably use TikTok. But it is a Chinese spying tool. Just be clear on what you have. I mean, it's your choice, I guess, to do it. But it is a Chinese uh, spying tool that not only just where you're going, what you're doing, but all the information that may flow through your phone or has flowed, has flowed through your phone. Um, and the subversiveness that it's using in order to compel negative messages to America and America's youth, it's pretty stunning. And it's become a bit of a debate, um, but something that should be discussed out loud. 
So, uh, Christy Nome, uh, the governor of the great state of South Dakota, I I served with her in Congress. Really enjoyed the time with her. We weren't on a committee or anything together, but we knew each other pretty well. Uh, Governor Christy Nome was on Hannity last night and talking about this. Let's go to clip six and hear what she had to say about Vice President Harris choosing not to comment on concerns related to TikTok. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe she actually said that she wasn't going to comment on that. They literally banned it from federal devices after we took action. In South Dakota, we banned TikTok. We're the first state to do it. 30 states have done it since then. But the federal government took action and banned it, too. So how can she legitimately sit there and go, yeah, I'm not going to comment? They know and they acknowledged that it is a national security threat. Grow up and have an opinion. If you're going to be the vice president of the United States, just give us an honest answer for once. That's what's so shocking to me is the way Biden and Kamala still think they have to dance around everything. The one thing this country is desperate for is the truth. Just tell the truth. We have an opinion. We banned it. We don't think it's good. All right, move on. And and Governor Nome is bringing up something I think is vital. You know, a lot of criticism about uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris and their policy. And that's what we're supposed to be debating. That's what we're supposed to be debating in this country. But I think what bothers people most about politics, and it's certainly not exclusive to the Democratic side of the aisle, that's for sure. It's not just one-sided, lopsided uh, there, but is the idea that you're just not being candid. You're not being honest. You're not being forthright with what's going on in America, folks. I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, Joe Biden can't regurgitate something because, you know, he cognitively struggles to do that. And we highlighted that earlier in the show, but it's another thing when you avoid telling the truth, you know, you have these um, waterways and dams out in the Pacific Northwest. And some of our listeners, I'm sure in reach of this are going to be affected by the idea that they're going to, you know, these dams and whatnot that were built, they're going to tear them down, but they did this all in secrecy. They won't, they won't tell us what happened there. Um, I've written about in my book, the, uh, the puppeteers, which I highly recommend for Christmas, by the way, it's a good gift for anybody in your holiday list. It's called the puppeteers. But one of the things I highlight is Joe Biden's executive order one, four, zero, one, nine. This was in a directive to, um, get the federal government, all of its employees and all of its assets to get out the vote, but they did so for the democratic chosen uh, demographics, not for everybody. And when they went to go see, hey, uh, what is this? What does this order do? Guess what? They claimed executive privilege. Here's the bigger point. I'm using what happened in the Pacific Northwest. I'm using TikTok with Kamala Harris. I'm using the executive order on getting out the vote from Joe Biden and leveraging federal dollars and federal data. But these are three examples where you're just not being forthright and truthful in telling the American people you're hiding, you're disguising, you're manipulating the data. And you're doing it because you don't trust that the American people will come up with the right decision. And heaven forbid the, the, the public may actually disagree with you. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. This is Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, almost Jimmy Fallon. They had to go to the bench on this one. The starting pitcher was out because he's, you know, 
he's recording his audio book that's coming out. He's got a book coming out in January, February, something like that. So they had to go to the bench, way down the end of the bench. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy, doing some pinch hitting here. But uh, you know what? I love it, and I appreciate Jimmy letting me sit in his seat. So I, I do appreciate that. Hey, lots happening politically. Um, you know, we're, we're right on the precipice of going into 2024. And one of the biggest events that's going to happen this week uh, is the debate that's happening tonight on Hannity. 9 p.m. Eastern, you're going to have the governor of California and Gavin Newsom and the governor of of uh, Florida, Ron DeSantis, debate issues, defend their states, their policies, red versus blue. This is really good stuff. Hats off to both of them for agreeing to do it. Great job by Sean Hannity for getting it lined up. That's for sure. That's hard to get. Um, and I think this will be very informative. I think it'll be positive for both. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I'm just really looking forward to watching him duke it out tonight. 9 p.m. on the Fox News on Fox News. You just go to Fox News and you can watch it. It'll be good. Um, one of the things that I hope comes up, might come up, is uh, immigration. Because California is a sanctuary state. It's an open border state. I mean, it basically, they just tacitly are in favor of, of uh, uh, you know, housing and feeding and taking care of all of these people, illegal immigrants. And now on the human side, I can totally understand that. But uh, they're sanctuary state with sanctuary city, cities. And when Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco, it was a sanctuary city. But now it's gotten out of control and the, the numbers are astronomical. Florida, the approach that Ron DeSantis has taken, very different. Uh, remember when he he put some people on a on a plane and sent them up to Martha's Vineyard? Oh, my goodness, did the left go nuts on that. So I bet there's a little discussion about immigration but we want to go, dive a little deeper because I know he's passionate about it. He's he uh, dedicated his uh, his uh, career to it. He's one of our favorites, Tom Homan, former acting ICE director. Tom, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. Well, good. Um, you know, there's always new numbers, new metrics. They're always bad under this Biden administration. The numbers are astronomical. Try to put it in perspective what we're talking about, how bad illegal immigration is. And the terrorists on the terrorist watch list are coming across the border. Well, first of all, let me say this. I'm in Arizona, and I just got back from the Arizona border down in Naco, south of Tucson. And I've been there. Just, uh, I've been there. And, yeah. Uh, so I'm at, Arizona, I'm at the Sky Harbor Airport right now, Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm disgusted by the fact I'm looking at hundreds of illegal aliens with their free airline ticket, compliments to the U.S. taxpayer because the secretary has a policy of catch and release. And I'm, I'm just watching this. And, and, and a guy who spent 34 years enforcing law, this is just this is borderline treasonous what they're doing. And I'm looking at hundreds coming through this airport with a free ticket paid by taxpayers to go to the city of their choice. And knowing that nine out of ten people, based on immigration court data over the last decade, don't qualify for asylum, but they're going to release them anyways, and they'll go into the wind, waiting, waiting for the next giveaway program, the next amnesty or docket. So, I'm a little irritated by what I'm seeing here at the airport. Well, I guess I should be getting used to, it, but I don't. 
Well, the numbers are astronomical, like you said. I got the I get the numbers every day. I'm looking. The numbers today were over nine thousand apprehensions on the southern border. Now, add the the, the sixteen to the two thousand, sixteen hundred to two thousand they bring to a port of entry every day to the illegal program that he calls illegal pathway. We're well, and we're at about eleven thousand a day, which is historic numbers. This is the last day. You know, the, the, this month of November is probably going to end up being the second or third largest month since he's been president. So after three years, they continue to fail. After three years, they continue to get worse. It's just, it's disgusting what's going on. How, um, you know, we, we have different numbers and I had to learn how they did the stats when I was in Congress. You have um, the OTMs other than Mexicans. Then you have the gotaways. Um, You have the people that come across illegally that are apprehended. But the metrics, there have been studies done. When we talk about this many people got away and this many people, we say 9,000 apprehended. Um, what does that mean, like, in terms of people that weren't even getaways or gotaways, weren't detected at all, and certainly weren't apprehended? What does that number end up being? Look, they're averaging, you know, on an average day, they're averaging right now eight to 9,000 encounters, apprehensions. Mm-hmm. Now, you add to that the number of gotaways per day, which is the average 12 to 1,600. So, you know, you add 1,500 to that. Then you add the ones they're bringing to the port of entry. They're playing a shell game. The reason they're bringing them to a port of entry, which they will lose 20 states file a lawsuit. We're waiting for that decision to come out, and I'm sure the decision is going to be, you can't do this. It's not legal. So, But they're doing this for one reason, because if they bring thousands through the airport, they can count them as a legal entry and don't have to count them as an illegal entry, even though they have no right to enter, have no right to be here, and have no documentation to enter legally. They're bringing thousands through the port of entries. They can say, look, there's a decrease of illegal entries, but it's backfired on them because not, there's not a decrease. There's an increase in illegal entries. Add the thousands through the port of entry, and you said it. One, we, since Biden has been, come, has been in the White House, we have a verified, known 1.8 million gotaways. And that's the ones we know because they're tracked on video, drone traffic, central traffic. There's, there, there's an electronic capture of that. But there's, there's thousands of gotaways we don't know about because there's large portions of the portions of the border. We, we don't have drones. We don't have sensors. We don't have camera technology. Like through the Big, Big Bend National Park in Texas, there's very little technology there. So there's thousands coming in a day that we don't even know about. This is People need to understand what's happening is historic, not close. By far, what's happening? You look at the total encounters. They, they say they arrested uh, two point. They said two point five million last year encounters. Wrong. If you had total encounters nationwide, encountering the port of entries, they're bringing people in. They're at three point two million. Numbers that we are are five so times big. higher than we've ever seen. This is so and, big. And, and, and to this day, they haven't done a single thing. Not a single thing to slow the flow. They're no, well, they they want it. it they want the flow. They. They encourage it. They don't do anything to stop it and plug it. And every time I see Secretary Marcus stand up and say, well, we need Congress to act. This is Congress's fault. No, it's not. Congress did act, and they put laws on the books, and you're not enforcing those laws. If you come across the border, I mean, I'm, I'm asking you this, but I think I know the answer to it. If you come across the border not at a port of entry and you're, you are to be detained and deported, that's what's supposed to happen to you. That is not a legal way to claim asylum or come into the country. 
that's what's supposed to be supposed to be detained. The statute, the statute clearly says, when you enter the country without proper documentation, you enter the country legally. You sh- the language is you shall be detained. It doesn't say you may be detained. It says you shall be detained. That's what the Trump administration did. Either you go to detention or you go back to Mexico. That was what we did. We stopped catch and release. But one of the first things Joe Biden did when he became president is get back to catch and release. You're right. Look, in the Congress right now talking about a border bill, thousands here, thousands there. They don't need money. That's, this is a policy issue. This isn't a resource issue. This isn't a money issue. You don't need billions of dollars to give to the NGOs to put these people in hotel rooms at 500 bucks a night, give them three squares a day and free medical care. You don't yeah. need any of that. There's thousands of empty ice beds at about $117 a night already paid for by the taxpayers sitting empty. That's where they need to go, either detain them or remove them. But this, this, I want people to understand this isn't a money issue. This isn't a resource issue. You don't need twice as many border patrol agents. It'd be nice. This is a policy issue. Trump showed by his policies that we can secure this border. This administration knows how to do it, but they don't want to do it. This is by design. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last question before I let you go, and you got to get on that flight, um, is – who is ICE deporting at this point? I mean, you got to be like, I feel bad for these guys because they is a difficult, hard job. But who are they deporting? They're deporting hardly nobody. In the last three years of record historic illegal immigration, they have record low, record low uh, removal orders, uh, historical lowest numbers as agents ever seen. Look, Secretary Marx has said you could, they can ICE and only good target. Those who are convicted of an aggravated felony. First of all, if they get convicted of an aggravated felony, it's too late. They should have been deported because they're here illegally. There's no prerequisite, so you got to be convicted of an aggravated felony for ICE to do their job and uphold the oath they took. Being here illegally is a violation of law. That alone makes you removable. But it, that's that's what's happening. The morale on ICE, I feel sorry. I, those 20,000 men and women that work for me, their morale is not existent. They're not allowed to enforce the law. And let's put it this way. 80, under Trump administration, 91%, when I was a director, 91% of everybody we arrested and removed was a criminal. We, had, we, we did prioritize criminals. But today, if you look at the numbers, 85% of the criminals we removed under President Trump, you can't remove under this administration because they're no longer a priority. They have to be an aggravated felony. So criminals are getting released to the streets every single day across this nation to reoffend against American citizens who are paying taxes and, and, and hoping Congress does their job, secure the border, and protect Americans. But that's not happening. This administration disgusts me, and I can't wait. I cannot wait for President Trump to come back. If he comes back, I come back, and I will run the largest deportation operation this country's ever seen. And you can take that to the bank. Tom Homan, the former acting ICE director, um, thank you so much for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. You have a safe flight and wonderful holiday. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. The show that's not afraid to hit the road. The stars at night are big and bright. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz, and just want to put in a quick plug for my podcast, Jason in the House. Just type in Jason in the House anywhere you listen to podcasts. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Really more about how people, um, how they became who they are, about their background and their 
their experiences. And it's a little different format. It's a little bit more biographical than it is about issues, you know, moment by moment. That's really what I think radio is for. Podcasts, you go a little deeper and figure out the background and what they've done and how they did it. And uh, just type in Jason in the house. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, but we got news. We got things that are happening. We got a congressman from North Carolina's 3rd District, Congressman Greg Murphy, joining us. Congressman, uh, thank you for joining us on Fox Across America. Thanks, Jason. I hope you're doing well. Well, thank you. Should I call you a doctor or should I call you a congressman? You know, it's kind of funny. There's a story behind that. I asked my staff when they asked me, which which do we call you, doctor or congressman? And I talked about levels of approval in the country, nurses, number yeah. one, doctors, and pharmacists, number two, three. And then well, members of Congress are down below your ankles, and they all just said, okay, Dr. Murphy. Yeah, so, exactly. All right, Dr. Murphy, Jordan. <laughs> hey, uh, there's a, a, a bit of a controversial vote coming up, and that is the expulsion of one of the members um, – of Congress. And I just wanted to get your, you know, there's been a lot of uh, press about Santos and uh, Congressman Santos. And, you know, did he lie? Did he do all these other things? What, tell us where you're coming from and uh, have you made a decision how you're going to vote on this? Yeah, Jason, this is a hard thing. And, you know, this is, uh, it's always hard when you quote, judge your peers, that you make sure that you do that um, totally ob- objectively. You do it just based upon the facts you try. And, and this is so, so critical. Our ethics um, committee just tries to pull the partisanship out of it and look at what uh, the standards for being a member of Congress are. And um, they had a thorough investigation. There was some movement to remove him earlier in the year, and I voted against that because I wanted our ethics committee to come out with what their findings were. Right. And Michael Guess, uh, Michael Guess uh, did a good job, and um, I, uh, he's put forth findings, and he has recommended expulsion. And so I don't take any joy in this whatsoever. But when you've had someone that's lied to your constituents um, so much like this, again, I'm not going to run off the litany of, of charges against him. I don't think the behavior is worthy of a member of Congress. Uh, while we have some members that really I don't have think behavior – is worthy of a member of Congress, but that's a, right, a little right. bit different of an episodic issue. But right. overall, um, I think the evidence points to expulsion. It's interesting because I've kind of asked, you know, I served in Congress for eight and a half years. I look at this equation. I don't think I would expel him. I, I don't I, – I'm not saying you're wrong, Congressman. I'm not saying that at all because I think this is a tough call, and it looks like he probably is going to be expelled. But I – Personally, I just believe that that's up to the people of, of New York to make that decision. If he had been convicted in court, I think I would look at it totally different. But th- those that's all playing out. And I respect the ethics committee, um, but I think I, would, I think I would say, yeah, and it's bipartisan, by the way. Most people don't understand. It's an equal number of Democrats and Republicans on that committee. It's not weighted to whoever the party is in the majority. It is good that way, but I think right. short, short of I don't think Congress has ever ever ex, uh, expelled anybody who didn't who wasn't convicted of a crime, and and that's well, where they, I think it's a new folks standard. That faced expulsion but resigned because in in front of it because they didn't want to be expelled. Again, right. Jason, I don't take any joy in this whatsoever. None. No, I it's don't a like tough one. Joy it's a tough one. In yeah. anybody's. Uh, um, turmoil or anything like that. But I, you know, I do think we just have some standards in Congress. My God, we were elected by 800,000 people 
And again, not getting into specifics, but this has been, sadly enough, a recurrent theme. Um, I have no distaste or, or any of this for the individual. I, I like him as a person. But these type of behaviors, Republican or Democrat, in my opinion, do not justify being a member of Congress. And we have to, if we're going to be, in my opinion, the Republican Party that stands for truth, objectivity, and reason, then we have to be uh, consistent with that. Yeah, I mean, there is a sign, uh, something to be said for policing your own and saying, no, this is not acceptable. But I think the decision, again, just push back a little bit, is up to the people in New York. You know, we when I was in Congress, um, we had uh, a congressman who had previously um, been uh, impeached, I think, for bribery. But yet it was elected by the people of Florida, and he served. He's now passed away, and um, uh, Alcee Hastings, um, and he served in Congress, even though he had been impeached as a a federal um, uh, judge. Um, well, we know what impeachments look like with uh, what happened with President Trump. So, you know, some of that is absolutely political. Yeah, but that but was again, on the you know, that was the, on the judicial side of the equation. You yeah, know, I and, uh, I have the ultimate faith in uh, Mr. Guest, uh, who's the chairman of that committee. You know, Jason, I'll throw something else in here. I was the chief of staff of a very large medical center, and we had to police our own physicians. And I took no joy whatsoever in forcing one individual off the staff because he was dangerous. And so, again, this is not a decision I've taken lightly. It's one that you look at the evidence and you say, what is best for these citizens of the United States? Yeah. And um, that's the decision I've come to. Yeah, I just think if you're not going to go after Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, Eric Swalwell was sleeping with an accused Chinese spy. They took classified information, were lying about it. And yet nothing happens to them. They didn't even lose their classified, their their uh, their classification, their access to classified information. Well, so, you're right. Pelosi didn't do that. And Pelosi did. No. She she does tarnish to the entire institution of Congress. She's a political hack. And he should have been, uh, there should have been uh, repercussions from it. So, Doctor, thanks for joining us. Off to a commercial. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Jason Chaffetz here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, I just we were just on with uh, Congressman Greg Murphy, good man. He's a doctor, I should say, because he likes being a doctor. A doctor, uh, but he's serving in Congress. We were going to talk about Bidenomics and you know the EV problems that are out there, but you know they got a big vote coming up, and you know when you're in Congress, in the House, and the Senate, um, you're supposed to vote on tough things. And this motion to dismiss uh, Congressman Santos, I am in no way, shape, or form trying to defend him, uh, Congressman Santos. I mean, it sounds like the allegations are, you know, pervasive and serious and all that. I just really do believe that if you're going to expel somebody from Congress, you're going to take power away from the people of that district and hand it a different direction and deny them a voice in Congress. Uh, That's a big, weighty step. And if you do not have a conviction in the court of law uh, to expel somebody because they lied, hello, how many members of Congress are we going to line up that lie? Uh, I mean, is is that the standard if you've been lying? Uh, and, and so the Ethics Committee, I know they took this serious. I'm sure they think there's great evidence, but 
this is a you get to stand before a jury of your peers, not of your peers of members of Congress. A jury in if you've done something illegal, then you got to go stand before a jury in the criminal, you know, or, or civil court. You you can't you can't just say, oh, we're going to hand this over to the ethics committee where your peers get to decide whether or not we like you uh, or we believe you. I I just never before in the history of Congress have they ever expelled somebody who wasn't convicted of a crime. This just never happened before, and I think this is a dangerous precedent. Again, when you put it in the context of Congressman Schiff, Congressman Swalwell, you you go right on down the list in the Alcee Hastings case out of Florida where the gentleman was convicted uh, or expelled, I should say, from the federal bench, uh, I believe for bribery. I want to be careful. we got to double-check that, but I believe for bribery. Um, and the people of Florida still elected him. That's what the people, uh, that's the power of the people. And you're going to take that away from the power of the people? I think that's a dangerous precedent. I don't know that I'd go down that. As much as I couldn't defend Santos for anything, I think the standard for expulsion is uh, is a high bar. And um, without conviction, I wouldn't do it. Now, I tell you, advice and consent, if you've been Senate confirmed, that's a whole different standard. And you read Edward Meese's piece that he wrote for Heritage about that, where Senate should have the same equal co uh, co-equal uh, uh, voice in appointing somebody to a critical role within our government. They should have the same critical role in expelling people. And the standard for impeachment is a totally different one, totally different than expulsion by a body of its own member. But nevertheless, uh, hey, a parallel to that, a little bit of a parallel to that, something that's a little bit different here is uh, what's going on with the Biden family. Now, James Comer uh, is in a little bit of a tussle because Hunter Biden's attorney said that he wants to appear publicly, publicly. And and James Comer is saying, no, you're going to come in for a transcribed interview first, then we can do it. And I'm, as I said earlier, that is the right way to do it. That is the right way to actually go after and do something. So um, he's got an interesting situation here. So I want to play this uh, cut 19. Um, and what we have to understand is that, again, the evidence continues to grow. And in order to get the information and understand the witness that is Hunter Biden, because as Comer has said, the investigations about Joe Biden, particularly as being vice president, but now as president, where's all this money coming from? What was the justification? How do you flow, oh, say, $100,000 to your grandkids? And then Joe Biden and, and the mainstream media, so-called mainstream media, will say, oh, there was no direct benefit to Joe Biden. Show us the money. Well, how about $100,000 to their grandkids for helping to do business in Romania? I, really? How about Haley um, Biden? She's a, like a school counselor. Why should she get paid tens of, thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars for deals overseas? Hmm. I wonder if that's in Joe Biden's best interest. I mean, there's so many questions, right? So let's go to cut 19. And this is James Comer on Hannity. Last night, talking about what a bank watchdog uh, said in raising the alarm. 
The bank did what it was supposed to do. The compliance officer caught it. They realized that this is a wire into what they said was a company with uh, no known purpose, meaning it was a shell company or a fake company. And they were concerned because the uh, the politically exposed person who owned the account was the son of the former vice president of the United States. They knew through press accounts uh, and through his ex-wife's testimony and interviews that he had a drug problem, that he was in financial trouble. So they knew that he was compromised. They knew that China did this. This is the way that China bought influence. They literally bought influence. That's the allegation. And so need that that uh, that uh, further investigation. And the way you do it in the House, yes, there are public hearings, very in favor of public hearings, but they're different format. You get five minutes per member per witness. That's the general rule. So a member gets five minutes to ask Hunter Biden question. This is a complex um, financial forensic auditing things you have to do. So the format for a transcribed interview is an hour per side where professional staff or the auditor or others can go and ask very specific probing questions, show documents, do that type of thing. That's what Comer wants to do. And you know what? As the investigative body, that's what he gets to do. So guess what? You're going to get to do both. That's what's really going to happen. So um, anyway, that's an important thing that's happening tonight. And before we go to commercial break, I do want to mention again, Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom, tonight, Hannity, 9 p.m. That is going to be something we'll definitely be talking about tomorrow um, because that's going to be a great debate. Hats off to Sean Hannity for actually getting them together so that we could you know, have that debate. And then glad the, uh, the two governors are actually doing it. So uh, we'll be right back. I want you to stay with us because you know what? We have Ashley Moody, who is the Florida attorney general. She's coming to join us on Fox across America. Should be good. We'll be right back. It's the show that nine out of 10 listeners voted the best host on radio. I don't want to say that they were dumb, but they were dumb. Fox across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. I really appreciate allowing uh, Jimmy allowing me to sit in. It's always fun. I enjoy it. And, uh, and, you know, every time I've been able to guest host, I've always been able to get Ashley Moody, the Florida Attorney General. She is so generous with her time. Attorney General Ashley Moody, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Uh, great to be with you, Jason. You're just, I, I serious, I know how busy you are. You're like a, things coming out, you know, left and right, and um, you've always made time for me, and I really do appreciate it. Well, you always pick issues that I am passionate about, and I will always make time for that. <laughs> All right, so I, I was thinking about what to ask you earlier today, and um, now that I'm chatting with you, here, here's what I, here's my question. You know, we see it in national news. There's video that drives national news. There's there's obviously the big weighty issues, you know, Israel and Hamas and 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 there's so many things going on. But when you look at it as the Florida attorney general and you say, look, here are the biggest and I don't know what the right number is. One, two, three. Here are the biggest things that I have to deal with that I'm worried about, that I'm concerned about. That's the perspective I want to get. What not. Hey, here's what's in the news. Comment on it. What do you, what is what is concerning to you? Keeps you up at night. Things that you got to work on that 
what, my goodness, we need to solve from your perspective? Because it's a unique one. Yeah, you know, I think the big core issues that are really going to affect the strength of this nation, people just got to really understand that because it's playing out every day. And many of these failed cities and states like Im- immigration, the lack of a border, organized right. retail theft, um, you know, I could go on and on and, and name those, you know, kind of big ticket issues. But I really think what people need to watch out for and parents especially, and of course, as attorney general, I've been engaged in this from day one, not just as attorney general, as a mother, is the evolution of technology, how it has grown, how what it's capable of doing has changed and morphed and uh, the capabilities have increased. And we're now facing, um, you know, bad actors, whether it's scammers or child predators. I mean, it could be a, a litany of bad actors that can now access our children and our family members and get into our homes in a way that weren't possible just two decades ago. And so we are, you know, grasping with how do we embrace the evolution of technology? You know, I'm in the attorney general. I'm a mom. I'm trying to do both at the same time. Having many of the new technologies is making that possible. Thank you, Instacart. But, you know, when I think about what our children are facing, um, what they are exposed to, how adults can connect with our children without us ever knowing while they're in their rooms and we think they're safe and sound, These are challenges that all of us are going to have to face, the ability of technology to be used to censor. I mean, I think that is going to be one of the biggest issues we're facing, and I am obviously fighting in court to make sure that that can't happen. I am pushing for more protections of our children um, because I'm watching every day their mental health and the suicide rates explode because of what's happening. And, of course, as you know, we brought litigation because some of the addiction and mental health effects have um, happened with some of these technology companies knowing and creating algorithms to entice addiction. So I do think that's that's one of the most pressing challenges we're facing in America right now. Well, and we're on the frontier of artificial intelligence, AI, and its ability to manipulate and control messaging and data and, you know, garbage in, garbage out, um, you know, the concerns there. What, what did the state of Florida do with TikTok? You know, the federal government, we earlier in the show played a comments from um, Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota. Uh, they banned TikTok. The federal government for its apparatus banned it, but Kamala Harris won't even talk about it. Where are you at? Where's Florida at with TikTok? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really tough for some of these, you know, radical leaders or, or folks that support radical policies and, and groups to come out too strong because so much of their false narratives, uh, you know, are pushed on TikTok. Right. Uh, you know, I think it, it is it is a risk. I think it, we face data concerns. I think our children, as you see, are are getting pushed information that is causing them harm. I mean, if I hear about another child that takes on one of these challenges and harms themselves, you know, it it, it can destroy our next generation. You know, Florida has forbidden TikTok and any of our government agencies. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see further um, legislation uh, as a a result of what we're seeing around the nation. Yeah, that that's, um, you know, I I think it's I think Christy Noem said there were 30 states or so that had banned it because it is a national security concern. It's not just them pushing uh, their own propaganda down the pipe, so to speak, but 
the extraction of contacts and information and numbers and bank data and all of that really does become a national security type issue. So it'll be fascinating to see where that goes and and um, and and what it does. Um, what else is on the kind of top of your de- desk in 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 yeah, I mean, you know, we come we come full circle to where we started, and I think, you know, you asked what I think is one of our biggest challenges, and it is it is technology. How do we embrace it? How do we though protect Americans' privacy? How do we, you know, embrace it for productivity and efficiency, but yet protect our people? Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm working on is a is, is a grand jury. Our statewide prosecutors have been working on a grand jury to investigate those are who are assisting. Uh, smuggling people illegally across our border into our states. As you know, Joe Biden has made it as easy as possible. And so in our state, Governor DeSantis launched a grand jury investigation just this week. They uh, released a report that shows exactly what we thought. It's a damning indictment of Biden. It, it, It accuses him of being in his policies of being the reason we are facing this. Uh, And it's just in the time that they've been in session, uh, they found that more people have been released into our interior, you know, with little or no vetting than children have been born. Uh, You know, the numbers are just astounding in terms of the notices to appear. And that means when they do push people into the interior because they have mass release quotas now, they have to give them a notice to appear. You know, when that notice to appear is now over 10 years away. It is, in fact, not a notice to appear. They barely initiate proceedings. They're just letting them walk in. I think this jeopardizes the safety of our country. I think that technology is being used to help the cartels and these other organizations smuggling folks into our nation. And again, how do we ensure that people have access to content using technology? But how do we keep that technology from facilitating criminal cartels? and drug traffickers and human smugglers and human traffickers, uh, it will continue to be a challenge. And in Florida, as you know, we will keep aggressively meeting that head on. I've only got one minute. Um, Again, we're talking to Attorney General Ashley Moody in Florida. Um, Real quickly, the organized crime that's getting behind the retail theft, I mean, I see that more and more and more. What can you do about it? Yeah, I mean, over $110 in losses this year. It's record in the history of our country. And it's because you're seeing such bad leadership in so many jurisdictions. I'll tell you what we did in Florida. We made it easier to go after these people in court. We put together an exchange between retailers and law enforcement. Because of all of these things that we've done, we just announced just recently a prosecution of um, a a large-scale retail theft organization bringing $20 million in losses over 20 retailers but you have to have leadership that backs them. And so many of these states and cities are basically, by their policies, are legalizing theft. Yeah. And, you know, that will implode a city. It will implode a state. I think you're seeing that around the nation. And hopefully folks will follow Florida's lead. Well, it's a serious issue. I you can't believe you, you let them get away with that. It just makes the situation worse and worse and worse. Attorney General Ashley Moody leading the way in Florida. She's the Florida Attorney General. Thank you so much for joining us on Fox Across America. Great to be with you, Jason. Look forward to next time. Thank you. I'm sure, yes, if I get invited back, uh, I'm sure we're going to invite Ashley Moody. Hopefully we can keep the streak alive. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, A a, a few things here um, before we get to the top of the hour. Um, One is just a personal note. So tomorrow I get to go in for surgery. 
uh, I had a foot accident 18 years ago and uh, uh, broke my calcaneus bone. Six pieces, 14 screws, two plates. And then, like in 2017, had some problems, got infected. They had to flay me open. They pulled out most of the hardware. Some of it's still in there. Um, and then I've had some more problems with the foot, and so I get to go back in for another surgery. Now, it's my way of saying I am so grateful that there are good men and women who study, 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 and are the doctors and nurses and medical professionals because this thing hurts and it isn't getting better. And without good medical care that I get here uh, at the University of Utah, whoa, I can't imagine where I would be at. So very grateful. And for all those first responders and people taking care and people that are, have medical issues, hats off to you. I know what you're going through. I get to go do it tomorrow. But until then... Have a wonderful day. I'm Jason Chaffetz. Thanks for listening. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.